Hello, I'm Katie Sewell, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Tiffany Parks. Hello, and welcome to The Bittersweet Life. I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. Today, I want to talk about, and I'm about to laugh because I know I say this almost every time, but I'm going to talk about one of my favorite places in Rome. No, really this time. I really adore this place. And it is such a beautiful little gem. And so few people know that it's there. And so few people stop by to visit. And unlike the Tempietto, which we talked about a couple of months ago, that's up on the Genicolo Hill. And unlike the Casina delle Civette or the Owl House, which is way over in uh, Villa Torlonia, this place is actually somewhere where pretty much every tourist is going to find themselves in this neighborhood. You don't have to make a trek to get out there. You don't have to go out of your proposed itinerary. If you are wandering around in the center of Rome near Campo dei Fiori or Largo Argentina, you're going to be right there. So really, there is no excuse not to visit this place. And the place I'm talking about is the Forced Perspective of Boromini, which is located inside Palazzo Spada. Now, Palazzo Spada is a palace, a Renaissance palace that was sort of redone in the Baroque period. It was built in 1540, and it was eventually purchased by Cardinal Spada in the 1600s. And it was this guy who changed its name, obviously, to reflect his own name, but he is the one who commissioned Borromini, Francesco Borromini, my personal favorite architect, to design this optical illusion. And the reason for this was because at that time, it was very important for anyone who was high in the church, like a cardinal, to have a very impressive home where he could entertain. Uh, You have to think about cardinals as more like nobility and aristocracy than priests. They technically were priests, but they held a role that went beyond just religion. In Rome, of course, the hierarchy and the quote-unquote nobility of the church was every bit as important, sometimes more important, than the aristocracy of the time. So cardinals held an, as an important role in society, as did counts and, and dukes and so forth. But a lot of times they didn't come from wealthy families. Sometimes they did, but they didn't always. So a lot of times they had to sort of scramble to, to build or buy palaces that would reflect the importance of their new status. And such was the case for Cardinal Spada. The palace itself is beautiful. It's not one of the biggest in the city, but it is really lovely. It has gorgeous stucco decorations, both on the facade and in the courtyard. It's almost worth a visit. You can wander into the courtyard free of charge. It's also the site of the Consiglio di Stato. So it's a government building. Part of it is a government building now. So you can just wander into the courtyard. They will let you in and you can view the really lovely stucco busts and statues of famous characters from ancient Rome. So that's worth doing. But what you really want to stay for is the forced perspective. You can peek at it through a window in the courtyard uh, because this palace also holds a library, a library that's unfortunately not open to the public. But there's has a window that will let you look into the perspective, but it's really worth it to go into the perspective itself. And to do that, you do have to pay, I think it's five euros. I was just there last week. 
and I paid five euros. I'm not sure if that was a discounted fee because I am a Roman resident. But anyways, it's not very much. And it also includes a visit to the gallery, the Cardinal's rooms, four rooms upstairs that have some really great art in them. And I sometimes take my clients to the forced perspective and we never really have time to go up to the gallery. So we pay the $5 just to go into the perspective, but it's, it's really worth it as well. If you have the time, you know, if you've paid for it already, you might as well go up and take a walk through the actual art gallery because it's so small and it's so easy to do. And it's really lovely. And there's some great art up there by artists like Guido Reni, Tintoretto, Guercino, and Lanfranco, and there's even a Caracci. So it is really worth it to go upstairs as well. But the real gem of Galleria Spada, of course, as I said, is the forced perspective. So what this place is, if you're not familiar with the term forced perspective or false perspective, it's an optical illusion that is created. Sometimes it's created in photography, but in this case, it's actually created through a work of architecture. And to explain the technique, it's actually easier for me just to explain what it is in this, this particular case. Borromini created a gallery or a walkway, a narrow walkway that has columns on both sides and an arched roof. So if you want to imagine walking down, for those of you who have been to the Vatican Museums, the gallery of maps or the gallery of the candelabra, a long narrow space, that's what I mean by gallery. I don't necessarily mean an art gallery with paintings on the walls. So this gallery, the amazing thing about it is that it appears to be very long. It appears to be about 37 meters long, which is over 121 feet. For those of us in the United States, more than a third of the length of a football field, pretty sizable length, but it's much shorter than that. It's actually only nine meters long or about 30 feet long. At the end of this walkway, which has a lovely original floor of tiny little stones that are laid out in black and white with squares, at the end, there appears to be a garden Not an overly large garden, but it does appear that there is a garden there. You can see the sunlight shining down, and there appear to be hedges, manicured hedges, and a statue. And the statue appears to be life-size. It looks like you could walk down there, and you could walk around, and it would be a whole other area. Cardinal Spada didn't have enough space in the actual palace itself to create a second garden, which is what he really wanted to do. So this is what he came up with instead. And he hired Francesco Borromini, who is one of the greatest architects in history, particularly uh, one of the greatest, probably the greatest of the Baroque period. I'm not sure anyone would argue with that. He was also a very good engineer. Now, he wasn't technically a mathematician, so he did have to have a little bit of help. The idea was his. The design, of course, was his. But he had help from a mathematician named Father Giovanni Maria da Bitonto, who was the one who actually did the calculations so that he would know exactly what height to make the columns, the width of the gallery, and the other calculations. So what he did to achieve this effect is that he made the floor of this gallery incline. It inclines about 40 centimeters from the very beginning to the very end. The roof as well is on a a decline. You don't notice this when you're just standing in front of it. And that's the point, really. The columns as well, they get closer together and they obviously get shorter since the ceiling gets lower. And since the floor gets higher, the columns naturally have to get shorter and shorter and shorter as they go towards the end. As I said, there are squares, black and white squares on the ground. And 
it looks like those are the same size square and they just are getting smaller and smaller because they're getting farther and farther away from you. But actually, every single square is smaller than the one before it. And the same is true for the ceiling. The ceiling is coffered. Those squares of the coffered ceiling also get smaller and smaller as they go towards the end. Now, they don't let you walk into the forced perspective, unfortunately. It's basically off of a courtyard. So you go into the courtyard, the second courtyard, and from the second courtyard, this gallery begins and it ends with this small garden. So unfortunately, they don't let you walk through it, partially because the floor is original and very delicate. But the guide, and there's always a volunteer guide there, and the one that was there when we were there on Saturday was wonderful. Uh, He was an older gentleman who clearly was very passionate about this place. And he also spoke pretty good English. And he described it to everyone who came in there weren't a lot of people there, but every five or 10 minutes, somebody would wander in and he would ask their language and explain. We spent a lot of time there. So to be honest, we were waiting for it to be empty. So I could ask him if Aurelio could walk down the perspective. He very kindly allowed that and I got some great pictures of it, but usually they don't let you, but you never know, ask and sometimes you will receive. So the great thing is, even if the guard does not allow you to do this, he will walk down it and he will show you how much smaller it gets. And it's really interesting to watch someone who is a normal size, as they walk towards the end of this gallery, they start to look like a giant. Because at the beginning, these columns are so wide apart. And as you walk towards the end, they're so close that you can touch them. I've actually been in myself several years ago now. I went with a friend and there was a girl there who was working and it was empty and she let me walk down to the end as well. So it's cool. It's cool to see this gallery that looks so long, walk down it. You can walk down it in about five seconds and get to the end and uh, touch the columns that appear so far apart when you are looking at it. But the craziest thing is the garden at the end, because it's not a garden at all. The hedges are not even hedges. They are made of cement, (laughs) but they really look real from the courtyard because they appear so far away that they look like they could be hedges. The garden itself, again, I called it a garden, but it's not. It's probably about a square meter of space. It's this tiny little hole of space with open air over it so that the light will shine in. There's nothing in there but these four pieces of square cement to create the look of hedges. And of course, the statue. And the statue that appears life-size from the courtyard is actually only about 92 centimeters, about three feet high, which is just about my son's height. I got a great picture of him standing in front of it, and it's you can't see it at all. So that is Boromini's forced perspective. It's really probably one of the great feats of optical illusion, not just in Rome, but in all of the world. And if you go to Wikipedia and look up forced perspective, that's the first example that you're going to find, because it's really the the best example, not to mention the loveliest. It's beautiful. It's recently been restored. So the marble columns are gleaming white. It makes really beautiful photos. It's one of those places that it's so easy to get a great photo of. So I really recommend a visit there the next time you're in Rome. And it's located in Piazza Capo di Ferro, which is off of Via degli Specchi, which is just about two blocks from Palazzo Farnese and Campo di Fiori. Thanks so much for listening and join us again. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And if you love it, Leave us a good review and tell all of your friends about us. Also, if you have an idea for a bittersweet moment, 
send it to us by email or voice memo. We're at bittersweetlife at mail.com. Or find us using the contact page at thebittersweetlife.net.